Hi, welcome back to the American Mill Spouse. This week, I had the honor of being interviewed by my sweet husband. We did this once last year, and I decided to try to make this an annual thing. It was fun to sort of look at where we are now compared to where we were a year ago, and some of the topics are similar. Some of them are sort of reviewing what this last year has looked like for us, and that includes everything from obviously the pandemic, but also growth as a couple and as people, me going back to work. We also talk about the loss of my husband's dad and what that looked like for each of us. And I just love these episodes. I appreciate you guys for listening and humoring me, I suppose, as we do them. But I love getting the chance to sit down and chat with Kyle, and I hope you enjoy it too. Hi, everyone. This is Kyle. I am here with my wife, Elizabeth, as you all know. And uh, we are switching the tables once again this week. Uh, We did this about a year ago where I interviewed her. So we're going to go back and do it again and recap the last year and some of the highlights, some of the peaks, some of the valleys, and uh, talk about what's been going on. So why don't you give us a recap of what's been going on the last year? Catch everyone up. Oh, boy. Okay. So many things, I suppose. I guess one of the things that was unique compared to the last couple of years is we didn't move. So we were in Florida for the entire year, which hadn't been the case for the last couple of years because we went from Idaho to California, California to Florida in the middle of each of those years. So we stayed in one spot for a year. I went back to work. Uh, what else happened in the earlier part of the year? I don't know. The big thing, obviously, that I think marked... The year, unfortunately for us, was losing your dad in the summer, and since then we've been kind of finding our groove here, I think, at last. It was a weird time yeah. to get here, and that was something I think we had talked about last year when we, we'd we been here for about six months at that point, and it was peak COVID times, and we just, I don't think, really felt especially settled, and I think for a reasonable portion of this year we didn't either, and I think just now we're sort of finding our footing and finding sort of that who we're going to be here and Mm -hmm. what this assignment will look like for us, I think, has become a little bit more clear. Yeah. Worked our way out of COVID a little bit, a little bit back to normal ops. Uh, Not completely, but yeah, getting our footing a little bit and approaching the two-year mark on this assignment. An assignment we probably thought was going to be closer to three years. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, looking more like it may be closer to two mm-hmm. uh, pending currently. Yeah, there's been uh, a lot going on. Uh, girls are getting big. Mm-hmm. Girls are three and four now. And uh, keeping things interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about stuff that's been going on on your end. Uh, you went, I think shortly after we interviewed last time, you went back to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right? I think so. It was right around, yeah. When we interviewed. Mm -hmm. So talk about that and how that's been going and that transition from, you know, you did some part-time work back in California and then took a little bit of time off when we got here Mm -hmm. uh, for about six months or so and then back in the full-time work role. So what's that been like? Yeah. I think we touched on it maybe a little bit last time. We probably should have re-listened to see what exactly we already said, but I think that we talked a little bit about how much I just had finally, I think, accepted that I'm I'm better off working and sort of what that struggle was like for me and accepting that I can love my children with abandon and still accept that being home with them all the time isn't best case scenario necessarily for myself or for them. So I decided to go back to work and I would say more or less haven't looked back. It's really just been very comforting to be regularly reassured that I made the right choice. And I've definitely had moments of stress and moments where it would be really nice to have those eight or nine hours to do all the other things that didn't go away when I went back to work. But I just think for me and Accepting enough of my personality type and the reality that I appreciate having something measurable for myself. It was a nice feeling to just lean into that and accept it and be okay with it. And 
I can't remember where I read it or where I saw it. And I may have have said this before, but I feel like it bears repeating that when you think about teachers and people who work at the daycare who are called to do that, that that's a blessing for people like me who I'm absolutely called to motherhood, but I am also not necessarily called to it 24 seven, you know, and, and that there are people that there's nothing wrong with being able to be blessed by those gifts that other people have and the things that the girls come home having learned or saying, or even their perspectives on things sometimes that I'm like, Oh, that's from Miss Nikki or, you know, things that I've learned to let that be the blessing and not like, I just feel like I had this pressure on myself that I had to be their blessing and I had to spend every day dwelling in what a blessing they are to me and that somehow I was not acknowledging or I was somehow resisting that or implying that they weren't a blessing to me because I took them to daycare. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's mom guilt and that's so standard. And it's not like I don't still struggle with it. It's not like there aren't still days where I would like to keep them home and all of that is still present. But I ultimately have seen enough of the benefits, enough of myself and me being more consistently better for them and having more nights where I'm going to bed feeling, you know, more hash marks in the W column than there were before. So is that sometimes because I spent less time with them that day? So there was less room for error maybe, but yeah, I think ultimately it's been, it's been good. And I've also really loved what I've been doing. So that's been a bonus. Yeah. I can definitely see that you have been, so there's a stark difference between when you're working and when you're not working. Uh, and I think there's nothing wrong with that because I can definitely, even as a male, I think I can see the where the mom guilt can creep in. Like, I feel like it's probably partially what we saw growing up, our parents' generation, mm-hmm. right? It was not as much as you know, our grandparents' generation, but still largely stay-at-home moms, not as dominant in the workforce. And that's shifting even more for our generation. But even like on you know social media, a lot of the posts that you're going to see from friends are the stay-at-home moms who have that gift and have that drive posting all the cool moments with their kids and you don't see as much from the working mom side, they're not going to be posting in the middle of the day about their job and how awesome that's going necessarily. I think it's more about the home life and Mm -hmm. uh, those are the posts that you see. So a different way of getting that pressure in our generation, but I think it's still there. But I think that's important to probably recognize that everyone has uh, kind of what they're called toward. And it's not better or worse mm-hmm. in either direction. It's kind of it's like anything where your strengths lie. And, yeah. And I, I think you bring up a really good and interesting point that I don't know if I've dwelled on. But kind of this idea that like if you post and you're sharing your child reading, for instance, that's a proud moment. And that's also, and maybe this has a lot to do with the lens and the way I see the world, but that also is sort of a look what my child did and in turn what I've done as their mother. And that's whether you're staying home or not, but you know, you can sort of post these accomplishments through your children. And I think that this probably goes more even into people who choose not to have children and who I'm sure feel this on a much more clear level than what I'm trying to say right now, but that there's still this stigma around sharing about your workplace accomplishments or sharing about things that are just straight up. I worked hard and I did this thing the same way that your kids are a product of that. Like kids are the hardest job I've ever had in my opinion, but, but that I do wish that there was a little bit more comfortability around just being like, I did this thing and I'm proud of it. And here it is. And I think that social media has sort of morphed in like there's just certain things that are acceptable and certain ways of sort of fluffing your own feathers that are maybe a little bit more subtle and probably not even always intentional but you still look at it maybe on your own phone and feel bad about yourself because you didn't do that thing or whatever um where i think sometimes it's harder to be 
direct about things that aren't necessarily child related, even though those I think deserve to be celebrated too. And like, I'm really freaking proud of like the work I've done the last year. And I struggle big time with expressing that. And outside of to you, you know, who I often will have to be like, hey, can we take a moment where I can be like arrogant for a minute or feel like it's arrogant, you know, and whenever I do, you're always telling me that it's not. But there's something in that there's a struggle there to just take ownership of accomplishments, I guess. So yeah. I don't know what your question was. We <laughs> even asked one, but I just like had kind of had that thought where I'm like, man, I will post, I'll be so quick to post mm-hmm. awesome things my kids do, which again, doesn't mean that like, oh, I taught them that. That's yeah. not what I'm It's easier to humble at. brag about your kids' yeah. accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's harder to humble brag about your work. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if the answer is nobody (laughs) should do that or everyone should just feel fine doing that. And I think probably the latter is better because I do want to see those accomplishments from other people. And quite frankly, I always appreciate them more when they're not in a humble brag and they're just straight up brag. Just tell me, tell me you, you got the job or you got into the school or whatever. But yeah, I think it's been a good shift for you overall and been crushing it. You won't say that on here, but climbing that ladder. (laughs) So it's been cool to see. And I think you know, I think it's been good for the girls overall. Like you said, we are better for them after we've been working and we're not with them all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good for like half a day and then <laughs> I start losing it. So I'm, I think I'm generally the same way. I could mm-hmm. probably do a stint as a stay-at-home dad if I had to, but I don't think it would last very long. But I think they also, it helps that they thrive uh, in school. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes that decision easy for us. Yeah. And I think uh, that's tough if, if it went the other way and they absolutely hated it. Yes. That'd be uh, a discussion we'd have to have. But yeah, that's luckily true. we're not in that position. So. And I think that school has provided them a consistency in our relatively unpredictable life, which of course, when we move, their school's going to change. But I think that school itself and the way that they structure their days is, is routine in a way that I was never able to accomplish with them well staying at home when yeah. it comes to snack time, nap time, lunchtime, outside play, you know, they do a good job of structuring that. And I never did. Yeah. And they thrive in structure. Mm-hmm. So it works out well for mm-hmm. me. So I think the first thing, uh, after you went back to work, first thing that started creeping in this year was a move opportunity for us, mm-hmm. for my job, um, that, uh, was unexpected. And we kind of had to start talking through earlier than we planned. That was early in 2021. Um, It kind of popped up for a a move for this coming summer, summer of 22. Put a two-year assignment. So um, not to belabor the point, but it it basically put us in a position to uh, either plan to stay in the Air Force for 20 years, uh, the full commitment, Mm -hmm. or... Uh, potentially get out after this assignment um, or shortly after this assignment, um, depending on, you know, what are all our other options looked like. So uh, you want to talk about that a little bit and kind of, you know, we're over analyzers, maybe especially yeah. me, but uh, it was a process to kind of go through that. And I think some new considerations. Yeah. I feel like I'm almost nervous to broach the topic because I don't know that we know how to do it in less than, four hour span, but it was a huge decision because like you said, essentially the commitment that this new move would incur would take us to what makes sense to then stay in for 20 years. So it was start preparing to wrap this show up or stay in. And obviously those weren't the only choices, but that's kind of what we had worked it down to. And that was daunting to say the least. And we went back and forth on so many different things. And I think Some of the big things for us were in looking back and it was ultimately a really positive exercise when it came to appreciating things about the military, right? And that we ultimately decided to go for it and let's see this thing out till the beautiful or bitter end. And it gave us the opportunity to really see, okay, what would we have changed or what about this would we like to do differently? Or if we got out, what would we want to do? And why do we want to do that? And and so I think it was tough because I know that there are a million different things that you 
could excel at outside of the Air Force. And I know that that was something that we talked about were all the different adventures we could go on and all the different hats you could try on. And I know for me, there were a lot of them that I would love to see you do and try. But I think for me, one of the big things was that what it came down to was, okay, if you go teach kids how to fly, why would I love to see you do that? And it would be because of the person that you are. And I think that that was something for me that the gifts that you would have there are gifts that you would have in the Air Force as well. And the person that you are, I think that there are strengths to that in any capacity, you know, and I know that some of the adventures that we discussed were dramatic and wild and crazy. And I had to gently explain to you that we weren't moving the entire family to where was it? Oh, Africa, I think was, was it Africa? once on the list. <laughs> there were a lot of good idea fairies thrown out yeah. there. There were a lot of idea <laughs> fairies thrown out there. Um, but anyway, with that, I like, I know for you, it was sort of, there was that quarter life crisis of sorts of what's my bigger purpose and is it this and is there something else that I want to chase? And we say all this and I know that there are plenty of people with better perspectives than we do who recognize that you will still have time for a lot of that. But that was, I think, one of the bigger challenges for me with staying in was knowing that we would continue to not be in the driver's seat with a lot of it. And there were so many things I wanted you to get to experience and explore. And again, some of which you'll probably get to, but that was one of the tough parts for me. Yeah. So everyone has their own story about forks in the road and, you know, probably most mm-hmm. people overanalyze a lot of Air Force assignment, what ifs, school mm-hmm. ops assignments, you know, specializing assignments, uh, et cetera. And we've been relatively fortunate in getting most of what we've wanted and kind of the path being generally uh, narrowly set out for us. Mm -hmm. But I think this was one of the first forks in the road where the options were kind of wide open. Like there were a lot of different directions we could go. Yeah. uh, And there wasn't really a strong pull uh, Mm -hmm. in any which way. Um, And it was also one of the first ones where the girls were a big consideration. Yes. uh, And a big driving factor in our decision-making process. See, I think I would argue with that a little bit. And I think there were very strong pulls in every direction that sort of made it neutral in the sense that the one put us close to family, which was like something we never even imagined would be possible while we were in. And then there are a lot of ways to make way more money if you get out, which is really pretty and appealing. I I should say there were no decisive pulls in any direction. Yeah. But I think that was why it was like, oh, um where we like pick and live anywhere we want, like get out and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and of course that's, that comes with all the caveats, but. <laughs> there was also the good idea fairy and potential for you to maybe go back to school, True. To get your master's and completely mm-hmm. uh, branch out in a different direction. Right. Than you're currently going. Yeah, that's true. That. And so when I went back to work, I was enjoying what I was doing. I was doing kind of more, administrative things. I love my coworkers. The work I was doing was, I don't want to say it wasn't especially stimulating. I was happy to work every day, but I didn't see myself doing that forever. So I was, I was at kind of my own fork in the road of, do I want to see what else is in store for me here in the world of marketing? Or I'm, you know, as I said before, sort of like hummingbird of passions in that I'm kind of a little over here, over here, over here, over here. And So do I want to go and go back to school for, as you know, I've definitely felt to pull toward going back to school and working towards sort of social justice initiatives, even uh, looking at like the political world a little bit. And that's definitely something that remains important to me. And I was very torn about where I wanted to go and how I wanted to handle that. And it was appealing because the opportunity that was presented to you was at a university, which meant... I could potentially take advantage of that too. And as I've told you, I sometimes feel like I kind of would have this infatuation with a master's degree in general, because I would struggle sometimes with this idea. And I know that, you know, now at 33 is not an old person, but I struggled with 
for the longest time, I was at the peak of my career when I was 20. When did we get married? When I was 25. You know, that basically I, 25, we got married and then kind of bottomed out, you know, and then had a, a number of different jobs I enjoyed, but welcome to the, yeah, right. Which again, yeah, I know that I'm preaching to the choir, but because of that, this idea of a master's degree felt like the best way I always described it was kind of when you're in a uh, Mario Kart and you get to go on that little fast track for a second where it's like, I could go get a master's degree and then kind of jump back in and be 33 and there are plenty of people who not that long ago wrapped up a master's degree, you know, or mm-hmm. who at that point I could jump in and not necessarily just keep going entry level job, entry level job, entry level job, which was kind of what I was doing because we were moving all the time or, you know, we were having two tiny babies and life. Right. But I just always struggled with the idea that I was in a solid, good paying job in a corporate blah, 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 you know, yada, yada, yada. And whether I had a passion for that or not, wasn't really that big of a deal to me because to be honest with you, I hadn't really ever had a passion for a job before, which was another draw towards a master's degree because I saw that as kind of like, here's how you pivot your career. And I know that I have a passion for social justice. So that felt appealing from that perspective. On the other side, the idea of making my passion, my career terrified me and still does. And I think Mm -hmm. I would argue for decent reason because it's so deeply emotional for me and it's personal and it's heavy and it's hard. And I worried about my ability to tolerate that and my ability to continue to be a good wife and mother while being in such deep waters. So that was a fear. And then I would immediately feel sort of guilty for being afraid of it because if not me, who? And suck it up and do the work and make a better world for your children and, you know, all the things. And then in the meantime, I just, I got promoted at work and then got another different job and I fell in love with what I was doing in marketing, which is like, I'm not going to pretend like it's as noble because, you know, but at the same time, I also realized that there were parts of it that surprised me that I loved as much as I did when it came to like relationships and the same way that I've talked to you about this, where sometimes when you struggle with the same sort of, is there more I should be doing? Is this my purpose? Should I be making a larger footprint or a deeper footprint or whatever, but that there are real living, breathing human beings in all of these places whose day I can either make better or worse every single day. And I always have said, I love spreadsheets. I love numbers. I've worked in analytics at how many different places. And I didn't realize that I would love the, that relational side of it as much as I do. And so that doesn't really have as much to do with marketing, but the idea of caring about other people and where their careers go and what they do, like that's, I've fallen in love with that. And so my indecision sort of led me to my decision. And of course, never say never, but I feel so at peace with where I am right now and feel like even in an industry that isn't saving lives, you know, I still feel like I'm making a difference. And I feel like I am making a difference while simultaneously loving what I do. And so I think it's like somewhat poetic in that as like the most type A people that as we are in the number of times that we flip the coin over and over and over and over to see if we find something different, I kind of fell into it by not making a decision. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, that's, what you're talking about falling in love with that and being at peace with where you are is something that a lot of people can't find. Mm -hmm. And that like what you do for a living doesn't have to be your full of passion, Mm -hmm. right? Like what you're describing is I think a really uh, great goal for Mm -hmm. a lot of people uh, to achieve. And Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you found it. Have you ever described what you actually do on the podcast? On the podcast or to you? 
on the podcast. <laughs> no. Why don't you describe it real quick to give context? So I am an account manager for a digital marketing company. And if any of them happen to listen, they're going to be like, I, I get nervous to describe it. <laughs> but they're going to be like, that's not your job. That's not what we're paying you to do. <laughs> exactly. Why are you doing that? Uh, so we work with a lot of advertising agencies and we handle their the digital arm of that. So they're display advertising, they're like connected TV advertising, search engine, social media, all that kind of stuff. And so either we'll create ads for them or they'll give us ads. And then our job is to get those ads in front of the right people. So, you know, when people say my computer's listening to me, my phone's listening to me, it's not. And I can tell you that because we're the people who are doing it. And I mean, if it is, it's not the people who are serving you. It's not you doing it. it. Right, exactly. Like, if <laughs> if the government's listening to you, I don't know anything about that. But it's we, Apple and Microsoft. Yeah, sure. But, like, when you get a toothpaste, like, I think there's, like, a there's a thread about that with toothpaste, which that thread is not perfect either. But, you know, when you get an ad for shoes that you were just talking about, it's not because somebody was listening. It's because you fit every single demographic for those shoes and because either you don't remember that you – searched for that or you searched for something similar or you clicked on something in an email like mm-hmm. and so it you know it gets a bad rap because it's ads and they get annoying but at the same time it's why the internet is free and yeah, that's what makes the world turn it's much. yeah exactly like advertising is what pays for so many things so it's it's why the internet's free and you're going to either pay for the internet if you don't want that to exist, you're going to pay for the internet or you're going to get absolutely randomized ads. Mm-hmm. So you can either get the Nordstrom ad on the side after you were just at Nordstrom, or you can get a lawnmower ad when you live in a high rise in New York city, you know? Right. So that's a summary. And you're very good at it. Oh, thank you. Good job. I love it. Very proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so what have you done? I know the answers to these questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, for your <laughs> listeners, um, so you got back to work, mm-hmm. you know, it's where you thrive, but it takes up time and you don't have much of the day to yourself. So what have you done in the meantime to balance that out? Work-life balance, what are the challenges of being at home? What are you doing for self-care? Yeah. Um, what have you found that helps you strike those balances and um, kind of maintain your your zen? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm patting myself on the back for you even asking that question and saying self-care. Um, I'm proud of you. Learning. You are learning. Yeah, because that has, because you know, and that's, you know, the reason that I'm teasing you is because you know that that has been such a focus for us this year. Because that's obviously the big answer, right, is tennis. We've both, as as of now, we've both taken tennis back up. And I also, the biggest one that I've said on here a hundred thousand times was going to therapy. And that's something that has done wonders for me strictly because it makes me stop. And that's something I'm so bad at. It makes me sit down, say things out loud, process things because you and I are both go, 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 go all the time. And we don't have time to sit down and hash out the emotion or we don't have time to necessarily think about how we want to approach the next thing we we're going and we're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's been huge. And then also just, you know, in, in therapy, her encouraging, like you said, the self-care, making time. And that's a struggle, especially in going back to work, because that takes away time from the girls. So the idea of then carving out additional time away is very difficult because I feel guilty and I feel like if I'm already choosing to go back to work, then how can I also choose to go get a glass of wine with my friends in the evening, you know, whatever the case may be. And the reality is, if you go somewhere at seven o'clock, I'm missing out on 30 minutes of time with them. I'm not missing out on three hours, but it's still hard to decide. And I also want that time with you. So it's just really being intentional about it, putting it on the calendar, making the plans. And then I never regret doing it. It's always something that fills me up because, because I can't expect all of that from you either, you know, and that's something that we talk about or we both want to be all of that for each other. I want to be your full support system. Like I want to be able to be. It's not like I I I don't want you to have other people. It's that I I want to be able to be everything you would need. But at the same time, I can't help you when what you need is to just go run around and hit a tennis ball and no. 
get out of the house. So I think that that's been a huge thing. And then obviously, you know, for us, just like the date nights, whenever we can snag them. And I know that isn't always the easiest thing, but just the time away. Yeah. It's the same thought process as, you know, do you stay at home as a mom or do you go Mm -hmm. back to work? Mm Mm-hmm. And one, it's counterintuitive that for you, mm-hmm. going back to work was the right answer. And in order to fill your cup so that then you can, you know, fill our cups later mm-hmm. in the day. Right. Be the best version of yourself. And it's kind of the same thought process, right? Mm-hmm. Like, take care of yourself so that then you can take care of your other relationships and other uh, responsibilities more effectively. Yeah. And it's later on. It's like so cliche. Like, I, it's like I almost like hate saying it and I hate. Uh, even, you know, when you say it, it's like, I hear the cliche in yeah. it and it's annoying how true it is. It's annoying because I Very don't want to be so cliche about it. But yeah. even when I know that five o'clock is coming and I know that at any minute the dogs are going to start barking their heads off and the girls are going to start walking inside and someone's probably going to be throwing a fit immediately because for whatever reason. Right. But I know when to expect it and I'm ready and I'm ready to, mm-hmm. I've had I've had eight hours to prepare for that moment and you are not going to yell. You are not going to yell. You are not going to yell. And so that's huge. Yeah. And I just think that it's, I don't know. It's a process. We're certainly not, we don't have it perfected by any means. We're not even close, but baby steps. And I think for you and I too, over the last year, our big stride has just been being so conscious about all of it. Just being intent, like, just recognizing that that's a factor and something that you need to try to prioritize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first step mm-hmm. and then taking that first step of making the time intentionally. And, yeah. Um, just doing one, like one thing. Like, right. Really, my only self-care right now is. I know. Our date nights have fallen off, mm-hmm. unfortunately. We, we have one Friday. We get back into it. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> but yeah, those, you definitely need to be uh intentional about it mm-hmm. make the time because if you if you don't make that time then you're going to fall in the trap of uh i guess I'm, i guess it's not going to happen tonight because i have this and this and that yeah oh right exactly crazy and yeah because there's always something i get ahead on work doing. yep i know and it's funny too because and that kind of tends to be when you do because like you'll call your mom when if i'm going to tennis or something because it's right. like oh we're kind of just hanging around like the four of us aren't doing anything and it's a time that makes sense. And I still like, I feel this guilt of she must just think I'm never around because when you call, I'm not, you know, and I know she doesn't feel that way and it has nothing to do with anything. She's ever in a million years projected onto me, but it's, there's still the guilt. It's, I know that this is a good thing for me and I know all of these things, but it's still like, Oh no, I hope she doesn't yeah, think it's not I'm like we're here. sitting around waiting for you to come. Right. Exactly. I know all, I know yeah. all of the sane parts of it, yeah. but it doesn't make it all go away either. So, uh, we'll get into rapid fire soon, but just to bring the mood down, <laughs> you mentioned that, uh, so over the summer we lost my dad, mm-hmm. uh, relatively suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was obviously a, you know, a sad time. And, um, we went back to Indiana for about a month, three to four weeks, I think, um, dealing with everything and getting affairs in order and obviously Mm -hmm. funeral and everything. So, uh, talk about that and kind of what you saw from your perspective and what you went through and the perspective from the spouse side of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think from the, the military side of it, that was, a time when we felt so grateful to be in the military and to be in a community and especially our specific circumstances right now to have the amazing commander that you do and the amazing squadron that you do that allowed you to be home and just get what you needed to get done. And I can't possibly imagine how that would have worked had you not had that time given everything, everything that you had to work through was it was a lot. It was a lot. And I mean, from my perspective, it was, it was really interesting to to see and to watch you. And my dad was the, the one I think who had the, the insight into, because I, you know, I would talk to them and say how I was worried about you and how, um, you know, cause you would just be to paint the picture for everyone. You know, you were cleaning out his house and it was, I sort of pictured it like the reverse 
of the notebook in terms of he built this house for her and that was sort of his therapeutic thing he did to work through yeah. everything and yours was sort of cleaning out this house right and and I think I told you even as we drove up there I said you know I know I'm gonna kind of lose you for the next few weeks because I know how your brain works and I know how you how task or you know I mean before we even got to Indiana like that terrifying piece of paper you had with the tiniest handwriting of all the things you had to do that was just like sort of this like glimpse inside your brain and my dad was one saying like this is his mission right now and that was very helpful for me because it it helped me know sorry I'm being sad um it helped me know my role too like it helped me know okay he's on a mission you know like and uh of course, it's a mission with all kinds of feelings, but it was a mission um, where I could, I, 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 that helped me put my myself in the position, it, I, it, like a deployment or something, you know, where I knew, I knew that feeling of okay, we're not gonna feel uh, like prioritized by you or something, which was not something I was looking for, but you know, it's like we're not gonna get undivided attention, we're not gonna get. Um, fun times or yeah. rough housing, you know what I mean? Like that's not what it's going to be. We're going to get somebody who's kind of, it was kind of like that, that time, like before deployment or something, you know, where it's like, mm -hmm. he's going to be, he's going to be detached and he's going to be getting what he needs to get done to take care of his family. And so that was, um, it was hard because I wanted to, to like reach in and, and find you a little bit, but, but I also knew what, what you had to do. And, uh, it was amazing. It was wildly impressive. And I know I've said that to you before. And like, I, I know you'll never process it. And you'll never believe me. Like, like what you did was insane in, in a month. Um, but that was, um, my least favorite part of the year, <laughs> but also like just such a reminder of, of the person that you are. And it was, it wasn't just, it wasn't just insane and amazing because, because of the, the volume of stuff you got done and like the literal dumpsters worth of things you cleaned out and you know, the amount of things you got done, but just your poise and your perspective and your grace. Um, oh, sorry. Well, this is not about me. <laughs> I know, but it was, it was, that was the silver lining in there, right? It was just in the worst of times, you know, like yeah. that's, yeah, that's something. Um, well, you were right that, um, it is kind of counterintuitive that I was, you know, we were very grateful to be in the military in that moment, but in the context of this assignment, like I'm not, uh, constantly in danger of being deployed, right? right. I'm not. I wasn't deployed at the moment, um, not gone all that often. Um, and then uh -huh. it's a, you know, relatively flexible, uh, schedule. Yeah. And the military is not like you can accrue leave, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like your normal civilian job where you have this many days a year and mm, right. if something happens, like you're kind of out of luck, right? Like yeah. there are special rules for it. Um, and I can have more than my standard 30 days of leave a year potentially accrued. Right. So right. I can, uh -huh. I can sure. have that and I can, I can burn it uh, when something like that comes mm -hmm. up and you know, you can work yeah. out different arrangements and um, the world doesn't fall apart when you're gone for a month and it's sure you have people to pick up the slack and it's, it's pretty flexible. Yeah. Uh, at least in this assignment. So I was very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, a little counterintuitive to how people normally see the military. Yeah, um, it's true. And again, it's it's just you, the it's one perspective, right? Like, are there times when you've missed things? Of course, you know. Yeah. Did you did you miss huge things in life? Being gone for stuff, of course. But in this moment, it was a, it was a huge blessing. And it was the same way when we adopted Annie. Yep. Right. So we, right. Mm -hmm. I got to take man close to two months of leave right. between um uh whatever they call it. Leave, uh, -huh. uh, and then my normal leave, and then 
think they have some a- like drug deal that we worked out <laughs> to take oh, going to like a negative, leave negative balance, pressure. right? Which again is um, is a testament to to good leaders. And that was an right operational on. flying assignment, mm-hmm. um, which can be a little bit tougher. Yeah. So, counter to what a lot. The stigma on military, yeah. um, at least my line of work, like it, it allowed for a lot of that. So that was good. And you have a tight knit military community who uh-huh. helps take care of you um, during and after the fact. You can call in favors, and um, oh, yeah. it's very nice mm-hmm. to have that community built in place for you. Um, even if you had just shown up the assignment at the assignment, mm-hmm. um, you you have that system in place where people are going to have your back. Yeah, without a doubt. So that's good. Um, yeah, and that, and that, again, that goes back to when we're making that decision, stay in or get out. Like mm-hmm. when when we look back on it, like there's been a lot of really huge blessings for yeah. us, and there's a lot that you just can't beat. And job security, community right. security, yeah, uh, physical security. <laughs> you're living on a base. That's true. I mean, you're right. It's 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 like, all true. And those yeah. again, there's some of that you can buy with <laughs> with a big enough salary, and some of it you can't sure. trade for anything. Uh, yeah, definitely some things to take for granted at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, during that situation, I was very grateful for you and yeah. your support. And you were, you know, gave an amazing eulogy and uh, made that time much easier than it, it may have been otherwise. So, all right, moving on from there. Uh, <laughs> any other downers you want to bring up for rapid fire? I didn't bring it up. <laughs> so rapid fire, here we go. Let's do it. Wrapping it up. We have five of them. Okay, and these are brand new, which I think two will that carry, you, carry forward. You uh, came up with, and three that you these were, um, have no preparation. Yeah, the couple of these were picked from the from our Instagram friends. Okay, here we go. I don't TDY that much in this assignment. True. But mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, still many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your favorite TDY guilty pleasure? Uh, for the longest time, it was just tv shows that you would have no interest in so it was the minute the girls would go to bed and i would always be trying to get so much done during the day so that the minute their <laughs> eyelids closed it was like me to like max <laughs> max out the me time and this last tdy was when i finally succumbed to tiktok and i would just go to bed at like eight o'clock and just watch tiktok for like two hours and it was delightful the creativity on that app i know i said like a actual grandmother but it is it's good and you know it's good too you watch it over my shoulder my algorithm has you as a part of it as well there are four you's on my sure thanks you yeah all right what is your best murphy's law moment um oh like from a tdy uh i think best meaning worst yeah sure the one that comes to mind is always when COVID started, when we were at Edwards and the girls would have been, what? Cece would have been... Cece was one. one. And so Annie was two. Yeah, they were approaching... Annie might have... Annie, I think Annie just turned three and Cece yeah. was still one. Uh, and so we're out at Edwards and you were TDY, which like just in general, it's just, it was never great. When they were, <laughs> when they were that young, that was when I was staying at home in the middle of the desert uh, it wasn't the best of times and you were gone and yeah. you were here in at Eglin and COVID like started basically. Right. I mean, you were gone for yeah. two weeks and it was, you know, obviously I'm sure there were like rumblings on the news. I had been but, gone for a week yeah. when it was really yeah. dropping and they were, and maybe it was overseas, like flights were being grounded. You know, there it yeah. was, nobody knew what to do. And you're gone. There's, and, and again, to reiterate, we are in California, you're in Florida, which I think now everyone can understand the difference in perspectives that those two states now have. And, and we're taking it the time as well. And so you were so breezy about all of this. And I'm like, I'm afraid you're not going to get home. Like there's, this is a thing, you know, it's a big deal. I'm like, I cannot find toilet paper. I'm like, you need to put toilet paper in your suitcase and bring it back. There's not toilet paper here. And then, which never happened at Edwards, there were tornadoes. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm in the bathroom uh, during a tornado with the two toddlers 
and my laptop for some reason I had my laptop. I think, I don't know why, but Oh, to show them videos <laughs> because yeah. I'm like, everything's fine. <laughs> and, um, and then shortly after that, we lost power and you had, that was like for which some reason, all the time. which happened all the time, but it was, yeah, but it was due to the weather. It was mostly just rain at that point. But, and the, like the tipping point for me was that you had the portable charger, like the, the battery, the phone charger, yeah. you know, that, <laughs> that was the thing that like did me in because I was so, I didn't have an, a ton of battery and I'm like, I'm alone with two kids in the middle of a pandemic with no power and my phone's going to die. And I remember like, I'm on Slack with like 8% and I'm like putting out like an SOS, like, does anyone have a portable charger? Do not call or text me unless you do, because I don't have the battery to spare. And thank God, Kate Duty, bless your heart had one and I was able to like then at least exhale but that was that that was a bad one that was bad and then spring breakers in the background yeah oh and I will tell you oh yeah 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 and then remember when you were supposed to come home and then the pilot you flew with uh got sick and you had to wait well that was kind of the the catalyst to the to all the drama was it I don't remember all the order well because yeah it was supposed to be a two-week trip and Uh we were there for a week yeah Oh, because yeah, I about a week. Yeah, because I was like, "Why aren't they flying you home? Why aren't they flying you home?" Because everybody right. else had been probably like, "Ah, you know, not a big deal. Yeah, we'll be home in five days." And uh-huh. then, yeah, someone we flew with got sick, mm-hmm. and was waiting on a test result. And that was back when test results sent us to quarantine in our Airbnb and yeah. unknown. Yeah, unknown if the test results will be back within a week or two weeks. Oh my gosh! And yeah. if it comes back positive, then we're close contacts. Yeah. Et cetera, so that's a good reminder of how uncertain was, times really were then as far as horrible no as it feels now. Yeah. Our flights Wait. can be canceled or we. I remember being like, yeah, get, find a rental car. Right. And then being like, will they let you cross state lines? Like what are the rules? Right. It was crazy times. Man. And they were close hold on tests at that point too. So they wouldn't let right. us get tested. That's right. Cause you couldn't get, they wouldn't let you get tested until you got the results of his test because right. you couldn't lead turn it at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was Ugh. a mess. Yep. Yep. That is, I think it was that one. That's the winner. Uh, there you go. I agree. Okay. So 2021 just closed out. Did you have a most aha parenting moment of 2021? Oh, that's interesting. And now I feel like I'm going to make you answer that because I feel like that means, <laughs> no, uh, uh, that means you did. <laughs> Oh, geez. I think... Or just one that stuck out. It's fine. Yeah. I think for me, every time it happens when the girls are being just rough and I'm so frustrated, the number of times when if I just will say, do you need a hug? And that is the answer is humbling. You know, the number of times when they will just crawl immediately into your lap because it's a product of, and that's not to say all they needed the whole time was just a hug. Like, well, no, they shouldn't have like rubbed yogurt on their sister's sleeve. And I don't think that they were necessarily missing a hug at that moment, but the number of times when they're just like, yes, you, you and your hug would make this better for me right now is, is always humbling as people yeah. who are, well, they're, yeah, they're a cauldron of emotions. Yeah. That's typically when there's a behavior issue, it's, because that's boiling over Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do with themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's yours? Tell me. Oh, I don't have one. Do you really not have one? You just just don't want to tell me. Um, No, I think it's that general sentiment that Mm -hmm. they're not, they're typically not ever trying to be bad. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that they don't know how to self-regulate. Right. And we're trying to teach them. And, Labeling them as bad or being difficult mm-hmm. is not helpful. Yeah. And that they need to be seen and heard that mm-hmm. they're having trouble in that moment. And when they're screaming or hitting or throwing things or whining, it's either a cry for attention or they're just beside themselves. And that's how they get their emotions out right just like you and i like Mm -hmm. tense up Mm -hmm. or yell at each other Mm -hmm. or slam a door like it's the same it's different coping mechanisms but it's the same response Mm -hmm. it's the fact that you can't regulate that at that moment in time yeah 
I know. It's like that general understanding, which (laughs) I I fail at daily, but then just kind of keeping that, Yep. trying to keep that at the forefront of your mind is helpful. Yeah. Um, But it's tough Mm -hmm. because we get mad too. Right. Mm -hmm. Because all four of us are human. Yeah. Okay. On the theme of the new year, uh, not necessarily a resolution, but with something that you would like to uh, change or improve on this year. Huh. I have, I was thinking about that today that I've really like given this no thought this year. And I think it's because I'm so bad at sticking to anything. Like I'm so bad at sticking to anything. What do you mean? <laughs> no. I mean, and so I don't know. Maybe it's just stick. I mean, I, I stick with you. That's good. But appreciate it. Yeah. But I mean, even that wasn't the first try. <laughs> Doing good. I know. Yeah. You're really on a roll. You're really <laughs> outpacing your competition. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Okay. Uh, maybe. So be more committal. Like stick to something. Be less flaky. But I also think, as we talked about recently, I also need to stop setting myself up to fail. Stop signing up for things that I know I'm never going to do. Like stop signing up for the 10K. I keep doing this because. <laughs> Because one time when I had no children and wasn't even married and lived by myself, I ran a half marathon. And sometimes I think that if I just keep signing up, it'll happen. They're kind of getting more and more expensive. I know. Because I keep thinking, I'm like, the stakes must need to be higher. I'm going to do the Disney 10K. (laughs) Nope. Okay. Yeah. Very well. So maybe it's uh, commit to less. Within reason. Yeah. Okay. Last one. What is your favorite holiday? Christmas. Why? Uh, man, I mean, I feel like this Christmas is probably one of my favorite Christmases. Really? Like, Christmas seasons. I, like, this is by far my favorite since I was a kid. Because this has been the first time where the girls really started, like, really were getting a lot of it, you know, yeah. understood. Stand, you know, that, like... The, which is total credit to your mom when she told us to, to shake the wreath with the bells. Like, how many <laughs> times? Who who did they not tell that they heard Santa's bells? Yeah. Which then, of course, the morning here, <laughs> I have to go take out some bells. Like, <laughs> I got to find a bell. Um, but, yeah, just seeing through their eyes is the best. But before that, I mean, and as a kid, my memories of Christmas morning and then, you know, everything with, like, my grandparents coming over and, Aunt and uncle and cousin, you know, yeah. that whole thing was so special. And I think it's just, it was so over the top compared to, like, I know you love, like Thanksgiving and all the food and everything, but I think for me, it was the extravagance of it all. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. I agree. Mine used to be Thanksgiving mm-hmm. because of the food and yeah, picking out all day and football, but yeah, I think it's transitioned to Christmas, just the, all the way up to it and the girls uh-huh. and their excitement and kind of reverting back to childhood years and mm-hmm. remembering. Yeah. They bring the magic back, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they do. I agree. How much, you know, the anticipation behind mm-hmm. it. It's yeah. Fun, so. All right. Any parting thoughts? No, you did so great again. Thanks. Thank You're you hired. To me. We'll talk to you again in a year. <laughs> All right. See you in 20, uh, <laughs> well, be 2023. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love you. Love you too. Thank you again so much to Kyle for taking the time to talk with me. I had so much fun. And honestly, it's kind of a special occasion for the two of us to get the chance to sit down for an uninterrupted hour and talk. So for everyone who listened, thank you for coming along on that little date night journey with us. And I look forward to talking to you all again next month. Have a great day.